fearless. I used to think it was like fearless is just like running around and not caring. And you're just like, woo, I'm free. And now I'm like, no, it is, is so much bigger than that. And it's such a powerful, incredible word. So I just think truly living in your best alignment is being fearless. And welcome to the latest episode of the Finding Fearless podcast. I am your host, Madeline Pratt, and I can't wait for you to connect with this conversation today. I'm sitting down with Heather Lovato of Clover PR, and she is one of the agency owners in the world that I just have a lot of respect for. Her and I connected through a networking group for mom entrepreneurs, and she was one of the first people in this space that I saw her business model, and I was like, yes, this is somebody that I want to know. This is someone who obviously shares similar core values. And, you know, really today's conversation is just a further exemplification of that. You know, one of my favorite things that we're going to dive into is really thinking about, you know, hustle culture as women and how that has not actually been beneficial for us from a long-term growth strategy and how we're both really resetting what it means to build our businesses from a standpoint of looking at like, what does it mean to really grow from a place of authenticity and sustainability versus just pushing and pushing and pushing and grinding. You know, Heather is going to open up and get pretty personal about what it's been like for her as a mom to build her business over the past eight years and the lessons she's learned along the way that I think a lot of our listeners who, you know, in this season and other seasons of life have been forced to take a hard look at the way they've worked are really going to be able to relate to. So I won't give too much more away, but I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. And thank you for tuning in. Here is me and Heather Lovato. Welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Finding Fearless podcast. I am your host, Madeline Pratt, and here with me today is Heather Lovato, the CEO and founder of Clover PR. As a professional snack retriever, toddler juggler, repeat entrepreneur, wife, daughter, and nap connoisseur, Heather wears a lot of hats, but by far the best one she's worn is being a mom. While navigating the transition from me to mama, Heather has nurtured her baby brand, Clover PR, to a multi-million dollar brand representing game changers in beauty, health and fitness, wellness, and motherhood. When she's not slinging press, you can find her over at soulspace.co or on her podcast, A Space for Soul, connecting with mamas to chat about the journey of mompreneurship. Welcome, Heather. I've so looked forward to having you on the podcast. I can't wait to dive in today. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I can't wait to chat about all the things. And it's going to be, it's just good to be here. It is. It is. Okay. So, you know, our kickoff question, it's a little bit loaded, but it's our way to dive in and really get to know your story a little bit better. So tell me what has made you the woman that you are today? First off, I love this question because I really didn't, I thought about it here and there, but it made me just really sit with this of like, okay, what is it? And truly I feel like I've been shaped so many times to be the woman I am today. And it's, it's just evolving that makes us who we are in each moment. So I really just looked back at the different evolutions of my life that got me here. And I really think my childhood, my spirituality, my failures, and my gratitude have shaped me. You know, without them, I wouldn't have the perspective I have. I wouldn't have the foundation I've built, the courage to go for everything that I have and have become today. I'm also an empath. So I really think people shape me. I truly feel and connect with people I meet, even if it's just a moment or digitally. Like I just, my husband always jokes with me. He's like, when we watch TV, he's like, Heather, that's, that's, it's not real. Like you're not actually in Chicago PD. 
it's not happening to you. And I'm like, I know, but like, it is happening to me. Like I'm, I just, I don't know. So it's, TV is a really funny thing for me, but I just, I love, you know, the people in the communities and it just gives me so much perspective to outside of where I am. And then it really brings me back to having, you know, gratitude or like motivation to be in a different place. So, you know, I really just think evolution is making me who I am and shaping who I am today. That's awesome. I think it's such a great answer because I feel like some days I wake up and I'm an entirely different person. It's like that seven year cycle that people talk about. Totally. Will you will you tell me a little bit about your your career journey? Like where did you start out? Like what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, how did that look when you when you started entering into the working world? And then of course we'll get to the topic of of what you do for, on a day to day basis now. But I want to know the early version of Heather from a career perspective. <laughs> I'm like, well, Heather 1.0 and now I'm like Heather 37.0. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So funny story, especially because now I live in an area where I'm around a ton of different animals and species. We were just chatting about this earlier. I wanted to be a vet. I thought it was gonna be so cool to be a vet. And then I realized I'm not really into, like, I like dogs and cats, but if I have to go outside to like, say, I don't know a spider was injured or a snake or something crazy, I would be like, get out. Like I cannot. So that quickly ended. I'm not as one with nature as I thought as a child. I'm like one with like glamping I've discovered. So I, but I've always been really creative. I've actually always been an entrepreneur at heart. Like I was always the kid that was like making bracelets to sell them or telling a friend that they should do this or wanting to start a clothing company. And people are always like, you're crazy. Like, honestly, one, I missed a mark at one point because back when the ugly sweater trend was just becoming cool, I had this idea with a girlfriend. I'm like, we should make like pop-up ugly sweater, like decor studios where people come in and they like make their sweaters. And it's this whole thing. And she was like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, we'll just go to Goodwill and buy a bunch of sweaters. It's gonna be fine. But I was too scared to do it. And now there's like, the L, what is it? Something L's? Um, it's, yeah, yeah. Dr- tipsy L's. Tipsy L's, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, I literally messaged her the brand and was like, we missed the boat, just so you know. I, and that would also made me realize, I'm like, I have good ideas. Okay. When I was in college, I started a scrapbooking company and I signed up as a creative something memories consultant. And I started making scrapbooks for moms and like had these beautiful scrapbooks. I'd make them on the side when I was like downtime of, you know, school and stuff. And that like partially put me through college. So if I look back, I always had these brands that were popping up. And so I think in, in hindsight, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I love being creative. I love being challenged and I really love like solving a problem. Like, don't tell me no, don't tell me it can't be done. I'm going to figure it out. And so that's, you know, I think why PR ended up being such a good place for me and just brand marketing in general, because, you know, I'm not doing just one brand all day. Like if I worked for a brand, I think I'd get a little bored, but working as an agency, I'm constantly morphing into these other people and putting myself in their positions. So it's kind of where that empath comes into play too, because I really feel for the brands I work with and and like really get into like, who are they? And I want them to succeed. So, you know, I worked for some agencies out of college, actually a teacher that I thought literally hated my guts in my like last like capsule class. At the end of graduation, she gave me an A and I was like, how did I get an A? I thought you hated me. And then she sent an email to an agency and was like, I have a student for you. You should interview her. And I was like, is this real life? This can't be happening. And that was my start in marketing. And then from there, I went from digital. I went to, I realized I like traditional PR. So I went to an agency as a director of marketing and started doing a lot of traditional PR and events. And then eventually realized, you know, 
I love what I'm doing, but not who I'm doing it for. And that's really how Clover was born. Because for a while, I was actually going to abandon PR. I'm like, I suck at this. I hate it. What am I doing? And then I really sat with it. And I'm like, do I suck at it? Not really. Why do I hate it? I don't like it because one day I'm a tech company and the next day I'm like the best bread on the planet. I did work for King's Wine for a little bit. And then I was like Burke Williams Day Spa. And then I'm like a juice bar. And then I am a natural park. And I was like, what is happening? You know, so it was like that, that constant bouncing instead of like being niche that really pushed me to create Clover and take that jump. Awesome. Okay. So before we dive into the Clover story, I want for, for anyone who's listening, who's like, but what is PR? Because I think there's this journey that happens like as an entrepreneur where you hit this mark where you're like, oh yeah, I need to, or other people start telling you, you need to invest in PR. But a lot of people don't understand what it is that they get out of that experience. So will you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what PR entails? Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's true. You know, I definitely have worked with people who are marketers who are like, I get PR, I just can't do it. And I'm like, awesome, you know, because that makes it easy. But we also have had a lot of clients where we're, the first few months is really education and understanding, like, first off, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, even in digital marketing, they work one to two months in advance. A lot of podcasts are booked six to 12 months in advance. You know, it's, it's effort, it takes time. But what it's going to do for your brand, first and foremost, is brand awareness, credibility, it's going to establish you as a brand. It's going to put you against your competitors. My biggest, like the happiest I ever am when I get PR is when I see our brand new client that we just launched next to a mainstream competitor. And we know we got them in there organically. Like when we represented Lurk Fragrances, which was an organic fragrance line made out of the Hamptons, they were in a spread in L next to Chanel perfume. And I was like, they have freaking made it. Like, I love this. And that's so incredible because not only are they being able to say they were featured in the L, they're now getting featured next to a brand that already has a ton of credibility and they're wrapped into that just by default by being associated in that article. So really it does just establish credibility and it brings brand awareness out to audiences that you wouldn't connect with. I kind of, I've actually came up with this analogy a couple of weeks ago with PR that it's, it's like online dating. So prior to online dating, you were just in your little pool. Like I grew up in Napa, California. I would date people in Napa and a little bit around my area. Or if I traveled, I might meet someone there. But that was really the only way I was going to meet anybody. Then hello, you know, Tinder, Match, all the different things that came up. And now your pool is completely just expanded. Natalia Benson, someone I follow who's incredible, she actually lived in LA, went to Palm Springs for vacation, couldn't flip her Tinder app to get her back like out of LA, it like kept putting her in Palm Springs. So when she came back to LA, she was stuck in like the Palm Springs bubble and matched with her fiance. So, you know, it's like cool like that. Like it just expands you to connect with, you know, worldwide if you want to, depending on your brand where you wouldn't be able to do that. So that's first and foremost what it does. It also helps you with growth. It can help with sales. It can help with wholesales. It can help with funding and investors knowing that you've been covered in all these notable magazines. So those are really like the two big things that it does. Awesome. I love this. Okay. So I am dying to know now, backstory to Clover PR. How did, how did this go from, from being like an idea, you know, what kind of courage did it take to leave, you know, an existing agency environment? And then how has, has the brand unfolded and grown over time? Yeah. So we are eight years old, which is crazy to think about because, you know, we made it past that five-year mark. It really started again, like I mentioned prior, I just, I wasn't happy where I was and I couldn't understand why I was actually at an agency where I had an opportunity to really become the second in command and like grow the agency. 
And that was a question that I was asked when I left. It was like, why don't you want to grow this one? And I was just like, I need it to be mine and I need to to focus on what I want to focus on. And I just knew that wasn't a possibility, even though it was an incredible company. And that's really how it started. And it was literally terrifying. I don't know if I can say the F word on here, but I do enjoy the F word. But it was, it was like, oh my gosh, okay. You know, I was so beyond single. And so it was like, I mean, I didn't have much to lose by the end of the year. I started it in 2013. And by the end of the year, starting it at like my car lease was up, my apartment lease was up. I'm like, really the only thing I would have to worry about if like everything went super South is my dog. I can figure this out. We're going to be fine. I'm going to go for it. So I jumped. I literally started the company with two clients and was just like, here we go, but I'm going to focus on beauty, health, wellness. And that's what I'm going to do. You know, I had a, I had a little slush fund, but honestly, I wasn't like taking off with like six months in the bank. Everything's going to be fine. It was really, truly a huge leap of faith, but I work best under pressure. So taking that leap and being like, oh fuck, here we go. (laughs) I don't have a job. I have to make my job now. I mean, it was just, I just went for it. And that's, you know, really how it happened. And it was just something that I really followed my passions. And I wanted to also undo that corporate mindset of like hustle, hustle, boss babe, boss babe. Like I came up in that, that peak of that really coming out. And while I resonate with it because I love working hard, I was working myself into the ground and it took a few years of even like being in Clover to understand how much I had to undo, but that's really how it got started. Okay. You gave me the perfect tee up for a slight detour. I want to take, I want to talk about that, that boss babe culture thing, because obviously it's like very much in the ethos right now. There's so much on social people talking about how like potentially damaging that was as a messaging for, for women. And I, I think it's like an example of the pendulum swinging maybe a touch too far in one direction, because yes, like I was all about the factor of like, women can be entrepreneurs. We can, we can build businesses and all of the energy that it pushed forward. Like I would love to see the data someday of like, this is how many women like you and I like felt like we could start companies because of that cultural moment. But how have you seen the effect of that on other entrepreneurs? Because I know you're working with so many female founded brands and, and I too, like I resonate with that statement you just said of like, I had to unlearn kind of this, this toxic behavior and mannerism, and I'm still working on it. Like this grow at all costs mentality that I think is, is not the way that any of us want to be in business and it's not sustainable. So like, how are you wrestling with this? Because this is something we're seeing a lot in our team and, and in the culture at large right now. Like, How do we come up with a healthier paradigm for the way we work as women? It's so hard. And I am working through it constantly too. I had one moment that was really pivotal for me personally. So I mean, I, I've worked myself in the ground forever. I got my work ethic from my dad and he literally just would go, 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 go. Like it didn't matter. And it's weird because it's like I... I love the essence of the empowerment side of the girl boss, boss babe, boss bitch movement. Like, yes, you can do whatever you want to do and the universe will support you. I truly, truly believe in that. But should you? You always have to ask like, and there's this whole thing too, like don't shit on yourself. Well, should in this way, should you go for this? Should you work this hard? Do you need to do this right now? You know, I always tell my team, like, we're not curing cancer we can push this to next week. We can give ourselves some space. If we were curing cancer, I might be a little bit different, but we're not. So let's be realistic on like what has to happen versus like what we need to do. And I feel like it, it it's, it's very detrimental 
you know, to even, I think of it a lot because obviously I'm a mom and that's when I had my breakdown, which I'll kind of share in a moment, but even to younger women who are missing out on certain phases of their life because they're like, I got to come out of college with a, with a business, or I got to do this, or I got to do that, or I can't do this right now. It's like you, you get so taken away from the present moment because you're so focused on, you know, living to work. And that's not who we are. Like there's been so much that I've done around being in the present moment, prioritizing, like, what am I really here to do? And a girlfriend actually just posted, she's an emotional coach, which is a really interesting industry. And I like love everything she puts up. And she just shared about the role as a mother and how like even our power has been so taken away because between working and, you know, being told what to do and social media and all the noise, like our motherly, like, oh my gosh, why am I blinking on the word? But our, our feelings, our gut responses, I'm like, there's a word for it. Intuition. Intuition. Intuition, There we go. I'm like, there's a word. I'm like, let me check more coffee. It's being either suppressed or silenced. And like, that's such a crazy thing to think about. And I think the girl boss movement is a little bit to do with that. Cause it's like, I can't listen to this right now. I've got to do my work. I've got to do these things. I've got to be productive. Like, but your body's screaming at you like, no, actually this is important right now, or this needs to happen. So I feel like it's, it's just a, it is a really, it's just a topic that I feel like really went too far. (laughs) Like it really, really went too far and it became such like a, like a crown you wear, you know, like I've worked my ass off. I'm, I'm like in burnout mode. Oh, I've made it. You know? And it's like, no, no, that's not when you make it. And so for me personally, you know, I went through even my first pregnancy and had a lot of fights in my marriage around like constantly being on the phone. And I would lean on, well, it's work, it's work, it's work. I have to do work. What do you want me to do? I have to work. And it's like, it was like my, my not claim to fame, but like it was like, that was like me. Everyone would ask like, oh, tell me about you. Well, I own a conscious creative agency called Clover PR. Like that was my first thing out the gate. Not like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Virgo and I love wine and I grew up in Napa and I love nature. Like it wasn't actually physically about me. It was what I do. And that was defining who I was. And that was like a, such a pivotal moment for me. But even having my first son, like I went back to work so fast, even though I owned the company and could do what I wanted. Like I felt guilt around not showing up and not working. Like I didn't, I didn't know who to be without being at work. And I even at one point was like, is Clover what I want to be doing? Okay, I'm going to get this side gig and see if it feels right. And then I was working two jobs with a newborn because I thought that was the right thing to do because I was trying to figure out like, I'm not doing enough. What do I do? Oh, I'm going to do more. And I literally had, I was close to having a nervous breakdown. My husband at, I mean, my son was probably eight months and he sat me down and was like, look, this isn't working. Like you are not okay and you need to stop. And I was like, at first I was pissed. I'm like, who do you think you are? I'm making all this money. Like, don't talk to me that way. And then I started hysterically crying because I realized like, oh my God, you were so right. I am killing myself trying to work to find like me in the place of this transition in my life. And I don't know who I am anymore. And because I don't identify with I am work. And that was a really, really scary, hard thing. And that's when like a lot of this, you know, girl boss hustle mentality started unwinding for like truly unwinding for me. I had battles with it when I was, you know, before I had kids and married, but I really be like, oh, whatever, I got to work like that. But my body and brain was trying to tell me like, you need to deal with this now. This isn't healthy. And so I instantly quit the side job. I realized I had to pull back and start really saying no in business and only doing what I could do. And that was okay. And I went through a good phase with that. And then 
I had my daughter and I kind of had the same thing again, where I was like, oh, I got to do more. And I got offered this consultant role. And I was like, well, I'm going to do this consultant role. And I can also run my business and it's going to be fine. And I was literally running myself on the ground in two months. And I told my husband, like, I can't do this again. I have to quit. Like, I don't think I can do this. And then the pandemic happened and it all went away anyways. So it was magical. <laughs> but, you know, it it's a constant now the girl boss mentality, when that comes up in my life, I know that is my sign that I am not aligned. I am off kilter and I need to sit down and get back in touch with myself. Working on my self-awareness has been one of the biggest things I've done since having children. And I swear like that was God's gift to me by having them because I constantly am reminded like there is so much more than having Clover PR. There's so much more than being my business. I am here to be a mother, to be a human, to experience life. And when I get into that mentality of like hustle and be like super successful, I lose a lot of that sight and that ability to just be like in the moment and live. So I do feel to kind of sum up my long-winded answer, I feel like the girl boss movement has taken away the ability to just be present in the moment and like actually live life. But you, you like don't understand that when you're in it because you think you're living life because you've got, you're like doing all these big things, but you're just running the rat race. So it's interesting. You know, like I said, I have different feelings about it, but I feel like at the end of the day, I actually am moving towards like not wanting to be part of the girl boss movement. Yeah. It's, it, it's so interesting though, because I, have been having this conversation with so many women I respect and admire that are entrepreneurs. And we all are kind of landing in this similar place, which is like, you know, that was the first place in our lives where our ambition was like rewarded. Like it was like, oh my gosh, you're an ambitious, hardworking woman. Like, yes. Like, you know, like meanwhile, we had like grown up and been seen as a bitch and been being the last one to call on. And so there was something that like, for the first time we felt seen but like you said, it, you couldn't get off the train. Like mm-hmm. if the only thing that we were going to get praised for was hustling our asses off and being the hardest working one in the room, guess what we're going to be doing constantly. And so it's like this never ending like cycle of like burnout, pick yourself up, up, run a little harder, you know? And, and ultimately like there was no destination. <laughs> there was no, like, there was always a rung higher that we could be climbing for. And I think that there's something especially as you said about after having kids that like achievement looks different now for us. And I think this is one of the things that I'm really excited to see evolve in the entrepreneurial space. And I only think it's happening because women are having these kinds of conversations is for us to go like, wait, pause, like why is grow at all costs? Like the idea of success, like what about, you know, taking care of really good people being, you know, being an idea of success? What about zero employee attrition being success? What about, you know, just just really happy clients being success, not just grow, 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 do more, do more, do more. And I think it's going to take a while. Like, I'm very interested to see how the next couple, like, months, year unfolds, because I think there's something about COVID, too, that really has people reevaluating like what the what work means in their lives and quite frankly like all of us whether we like it or not especially if we're we're moms you know we were just talking about this have had to pull back in some way because we've we've had to be in a higher capacity for our families without like the care or coverage we need so i love that you're in a similar place as me here oh yeah and you hit on something seen at all costs or you know like or you know, what is the cost of the loss of this too? But it's like, you're rewarding being seen. And what is the cost of, of climbing that ladder? And then you hit on something too, like, there's no end to the ladder. 
Like, and that's what I discovered is like, oh, I want to make, you know, 5,000 a month. Oh, I want my company to bring in, you know, 50,000 a month. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, well now I need that big client. Oh, well now I got to get that office. And like, it literally doesn't stop. And like when I had kids, I finally, and really COVID made me realize like at what cost, like at what am I leaving behind to just do, to just hustle and be on the rat wheel every day is like what I keep seeing it as. So yeah, I definitely, you know what I want to know too, is I want to know how is mental health shifted now that this is happening in women and in moms specifically, because as a mom too, trying to be such a present, amazing mom and like also being like an entrepreneur, it's, it feels like this is why I started soul space. Cause it is such a hard thing to navigate. And, and it's just, I have not figured out how to navigate it well personally, but I'm doing my best. But I feel like there's, there's so much that comes like, there's a different level of postpartum too, you know, when going back to work and different things like, you know, postpartum is a whole other topic we could get on. But I'm so curious now that COVID kind of burst that bubble a little bit. And women are like, it's not okay. I can't do it all. And I think too, like, I'm going through this again, now that my husband's starting to travel, I'm like, okay, well, this is not going to fly for me. And I learned that in two seconds, he's traveled two trips now. And I'm like, nope, this isn't going to be the way I can live. We're going to shift something and it's going to be different where pre COVID and pre like Heather coming out of this girl boss movement, I would have just muscled through and I would have been sick in about two to three months, like on just in my bed for three days because my body finally be like, you're done. So I'm curious too, like the health side of it, because I think as we unwind this there, there's just so much that's going to come from like the mental health space. I, I agree completely. And you're, you, you keep setting me up for great segues. So I love this because, because I want to, you know, one of the things that's different about your agency and I would say my agency too, is like, we both bring this level of consciousness to the work that we're doing. And you, you know, you tout Clover as a conscious creative agency. And I think that this is such an important flag to put in the sand because as you and I both know, there are so many agencies out there that are the complete opposite of being conscious and are super exploitative. And, and like, for example, like, like I was on a call recently and there was, there was a representative from another agency there and he went on this big spiel about how pain sells and, and how, you know, we should really be talking, you know, identifying what makes people in pain and then use that, you know, against them to get them to, to invest in XYZ product. And, and, you know, these are the kind of things that make me scream silently on the inside and, and really have to educate people on the differences of an organization like yours or mine. So I, I would love for you to just share, like, what does it mean to you to, to be, you know, a conscious creative agency and, and a conscious company in general? And how is that really differentiated the types of clients you all are working with these days? Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely something that evolved. You know, we started as one of the first, like, uh, mindful agencies, you know, green beauty was just becoming a thing. People are like, what is this? And now like, it is just beauty. It's inter- intertwined now, you know, but it's evolved so much over eight years, but people thought we were a little crazy in the beginning with what we were representing. Kundalini was actually one of our clients, Rama Institute founded by Guru Jaga. And it was like Kundalini yoga. Like, what are you talking about breath? And so it was this, you know, really interesting space for us to be in. And then we evolved to really understanding like this is our niche. We are a conscious creative agency. And it's really about being mindful every step of the way. So how we work internally and how we support our staff, how we promote work-life balance, you know, and truly, again, like I said, like what is important for today? We want to be successful. I want to be super professional. I'm about being, you know, a very, very 
powerful business in the sense of like, we will move the needle for you, but not at the cost of our livelihood. That's just not going to happen. And I, you know, had to really get comfortable too with setting our boundaries with our clients. And honestly, the more I do it, the, the easier it is. And they're like, cool, sounds great. You know, people are understanding, like, we can't just throw ourselves on the stake for work. Like, it's just not going to work that way. So really being conscious and protecting my staff in that way and being supportive of their lives and not having them feel like they have to live to work is, is a huge one for me. How we curate clients. So over the years, I said yes when I should have said no. And every time I learned, nope, listen to that gut instinct. Whether it's a perfect brand or it's not, but they've got good budget, it doesn't like whatever my body is telling me to say no for that reason, I need to say no. So curating our clients is another thing where you're going to know if you become a client of ours, like we are aligned in, in multiple ways. I want to work with really good people. I want to work with incredible brands. I want to work with stuff that we're excited about so that we do really good work. There's also, you know, how we engage media. So we have really become known with our contacts that we're not just going to bring you anything. We're not, you know, like I talked about in the beginning of my career, I'm not going to bring you, Hey, one day I'm King Swine. The next minute I'm a spa. Oh no, by the way, make sure you buy this tech package. And they're like, what are you? They're going to, they know what we're going to bring them, the quality that it's going to be different, that it's going to be, have the right ethos. And they're excited about that. But we also are really, really respectful. And, and we've done this from the start. I know a lot of people do this now with COVID, but like we never blind ship stuff. It's, it's wasteful for the company. It's expensive. Nine times it's thrown in a sample closet and the editors may not even want it. Like they're just like, I don't need this. Like I'm not going to pay attention. So any sample that we're sending, we're mindful of both sides. And we know that it's an expense for our client, but we also know that the editor's expecting it and they're excited about it and they're going to use it. So that just also ties into of like our thoughts around the environment, you know, like we don't want to waste shipping it, you know, causing that pollution and then like having it basically be just like a piece of litter in someone's office. So those are just a few things. Um, and I'm on, honestly always trying to think through like, how can we be most efficient? How can we, you know, support everyone, but live our lives and just feel good. So it's really just a consistent, like thought process of just how, how to be mindful and how to just like make it be fun and just, you know, feel good. I, so I, I'm curious here for you because I, I've got to imagine that like, you know, with the amount y'all have grown recent in the past few years and, and, you know, especially as more brands start to like approach you because they're referred by somebody else they know are the space or things like that. How, how much energy have you all really had to put into, to vetting brands? Because like I've, you know, you and I both know it's like eight years ago, green beauty wasn't a thing. And now it's like, even Kylie cosmetics is green, you know? And so it's, 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 there's a lot of greenwashing that happens in the space. There's a lot of people that are like claiming sustainability because here in the U S there's like no real definition. You can put it on your website. Natural, like is another term. It's like, what does it mean to be natural? So what, you know, what level of kind of diligence are you all doing to make sure that like the brands that you're promoting are really products that you feel like a match this level of consciousness that, that you, you know, you want all of your clients to have, but be are living up to kind of these, these, these green claims that they're making. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, a lot of times we're looking at what certifications they have, because those are things that have to be rigorously gone through. So it's already, you know, they've got leaping bunny and they've got, you know, all these different certs. We know they've been vetted to a certain degree. Um, if that isn't there, it's looking at the founders, like what is their background? What is their history? Looking at product ingredients, asking where their packaging comes from, where their products made, you know, we're obviously, it's not like a perfect science, but we do our best to understand like 
the details of the brand so that we know what we're working with. But also too, I really trust my intuition. My spirituality has grown so much since I started Clover. I mean, I was just like doing yoga in the beginning and now like I'm on a whole nother level (laughs) of like, just like what I do personally. And I'm very in tune with myself and I'm very in tune with just like my energy. And that's a big part of it too, is because I try, I really trust that I know people and I can get a good read on like who they are as an individual. And that's such a big piece of it too. Like, who are you? Like, how do you work? How do you treat people? How do you communicate? Like, and even, you know, if we don't get it right in the onboarding, but a few months in, we start seeing, okay, this isn't actually what we thought it was. Like, I'm fine walking away. We have clauses in our contract to do that. So we do a lot of research. We do a lot of just like digging ourselves. Um, in addition to asking questions, a lot of times we ask for an NDA so we can have, you know, pretty deep details shared about the brand, but two, our business is 99% referral. So a lot of times I know when things are coming from certain people that I can also trust them and that they've vetted, especially if they're working with them and we, you know, respect them and we know their brand as well. So that really helps too. So I haven't done as much of like the personal outreach to a brand as well, but we do have, you know, our eyes on some, but that's, those are just a few things that we do in addition to just like our normal onboarding process to make sure that we're just aligned. Really at the end of the day, we just, we need it to feel like it aligns with our brand, but also aligns with us personally. I, I think it's just so, I think it's so important. And I'm really glad that you brought up that, that gut feel piece, because I want everyone to to recognize that like that is a valuable thing in business. Like that is a really valuable thing. And I think in the early days, you know, you and I both have have mentioned this, but it's like, it's so easy to say yes to people simply because you feel like you need the business, but like that, that sense of scarcity and just attracting, attracting somebody just because of the sake of like, you want another notch on the ladder or another like step up of like, yes, we landed this client or we landed this revenue. It doesn't lead to somewhere, somewhere good. Like those are always the relationships that fall apart, whether it's in three to six months and they're painful lessons that usually cost more than, than any of the revenue that comes in the door. And so, you know, as you start to really identify the humans that you are here to work with, you know, using your intuition to guide you and and really like assess people in those early conversations, you know, is so, so, so critical to this. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about niching down and like really establishing, you know, these core industries, you know, why do you, you know, one, why did you choose the industries that you did? And then two, like, why do you think this is such an important practice for, for, you know, anybody in a pro services space to think about? Yeah. So I picked the industries we're in because they are relatable to me. You know, when people ask me advice or, you know, come to me for things, I always have to put myself in their shoes or find a scenario in my life that something happened to make it relatable. And then that's how like I can give my feedback And, you know, I have been told like, I give some good advice, so it works. But so for me in business, I was like, I got to relate to these things. I got to be excited about them. I, a lot of clients that come to us, it's like, oh, I'm literally doing that in my life, or I'm actually really passionate about it. Or I literally use your product. Like we had a human design company come to us and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with human design. I've been looking into it for the last year. I have two charts already. This is so cool. And this astrology brand came to us as well which I get my chart read every month. It's just something that I do for my mental health. And just it's just fun to me. And they're like, you know, you deeply know astrology. I'm like, well, I don't deeply know it, but I, it's part of my, my practice, my wellness practice. So a lot of times that is happening. And I feel like that makes me and the team do better business because we're so excited about it. It's literally part of our lives. So that's how that all came together. 
And the reason I, you know, you can't be everything to everyone. And this holds true in personal life as well as business. And I know a lot of people say that business, business isn't personal, but I actually think it's very personal. Even if you don't own the business, if you're just, if you're an employee, whatever it is, like it is personal. You are here as the individual doing the work. Like it's completely tied together. So I feel like when you can't fully relate to every piece of it because you've watered down so much, like there's just, you're not going to be as excited to do it, or you're not going to be as passionate about that piece of the business, but two, it's not going to be as valuable to who you're trying to serve. So, you know, I, I would not be a good tech company for somebody. I would not be the right person to streamline your processes and do your ads. Even though I'm a marketing agency, I don't, I don't do the paid side of things. That's not, unless it's influencers, like we don't do any of that. It's not my strong suit. I'm not passionate about it. I don't like it. It's not a good place for me to serve you. I wouldn't be doing you a favor. There's someone better to do that. And I think that's what brands have to understand is that, you know, it's scary to pigeonhole yourself down to be specific, but you're also specific and someone's going to relate to that, you know, and saying no to certain things is only going to bring you better things. I said no to a $12,000 a month client two months ago. And I was like, dang it, there goes some of my budget for my director of PR, you know, and I really want this role, but I know the milestone I need to get to, to bring it in, which we've reached now. And I'm super excited about, but in saying no to that client, I was like, dang it. And I, for one second was like, oh, I should just do it. But I knew this is going to be hell. It's not aligned. We should not do this. So I said no and had the trust and faith knowing that like something better was going to come along. And I've signed three accounts that are completely aligned. And I have like three more pending that are, I'm so excited about, but that's because I held to my niche and my boundaries. So I think in addition to being niche, you have to have good boundaries too. And again, it's so essential. Like if you have a referral based business, like if you allow for the door to open for somebody who's not aligned, they're going to invite in their, their, you know, weird unaligned friends. Right. And then you're in this really awkward position where you're having to say no to a bunch of referral work, you know, because you let that one person in the door. But I think it's just interesting because there's so many people who I think, you know, I do a lot of ideal client audience work with, with early stage founders. And they're always like, wait a second, like, is it okay if my ideal client looks a lot like me or is interested in the things that I'm interested in? I'm like, yes, that's actually fantastic. Cause those are the kind of humans you're going to get excited to have calls with. You're going to get excited to build strategy for, you're going to be able to put yourself in their shoes. But I think especially for, for female founders, like we, we almost, there's like this moment of like, wait, are we allowed to do that? Like, are we allowed to like do business every day with people we love? And I have such a big belief that it's just life is way too short. Like it's so much more enjoyable to run a business with clients that, that your team is excited about. And we have really made this focus on this rule of like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And so even when we have like a prospect come in the door, like we had this one this past week, you know, and I immediately put it in the team Slack channel. Cause I was like, eh, I'm a little bit on the fence about this one. But if, you know, if other team members who'd be contributing the work were excited. And so we hashed it out in Slack and everyone got to throw their two cents in, you know, so that we can go into that conversation going like, yeah, we're probably going to make a referral to this person because none of us feel like it's a brand that's super aligned with us, which brings me to the, the perfect next question around collaboration. Like, I think that the thing that is really important when you are so vertically focused is building, you know, a repertoire and a roster of other humans that you collaborate and refer work to and feel like, you know, your brands are in alignment from a values perspective. So what has that process been like for you in terms of like 
building a referral network, building people that you trust to send work to when it's not aligned for, for Clover? Yeah. I mean, a lot of that has just been getting to know people too, and kind of, you know, networking and starting to get in different circles. And a lot of it has turned out as like friendships, whether it's connecting on social or through like a group or something, and then it kind of just evolves. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a really natural thing for me, but I have learned too some of the, the people that I love working with, or I would do like work for them specifically, but then they would bring on, um, I actually have a dear friend that <laughs> it was funny because she started to realize like, okay, you have a very specific focus. Cause she's like, Oh, it's kind of in line. Like, here you go. It's kind of in line. Here you go. And then like the other day she actually sent me a brand. She's like, I knew this was going to be exactly you because of X, Y, and Z. And she was finally understanding like what I was saying no to and why I was saying it. But yeah, I mean, the the relationships that I built as far as referrals really have been connections that either I've reached out for certain work or we've become kind of mentors to each other um, or we've connected in a mutual group where we know everything's kind of just aligned and then it's gone from there. I I think this piece is so important though. And I think it really does take stepping out of uh, a mindset that you have to say yes to everybody. And that like, anytime you build a relationship where you've got got referrals sending to somebody, there's a level of trust there too, of like, I trust that by bypassing this work on somebody will pass it back my way. And I've always found that to be true. But I, but I also think that, you know, again, anytime we do that, it kind of solidifies this a little woo, but it like solidifies this understanding either in individuals or in the universe of like, by saying no, this is like me opening up space to say yes to something else that's much better aligned. And it also like better defines for other folks out there because by, by turning down work, you're like, you know, we always give a reason why. And it's like, oh, you know, this is what our specialty is, or these are the kinds of clients we're looking to amplify. You know, these are the reasons we're not a fit. And suddenly it better defines the level of brand awareness, you know, among that organization or that individual. And like you said, it turns into over time, you know, somebody having a better sense of what you're going to offer and being able to route those perfect people your way. Yes. And I just want to like clap to like the saying no speech because it is so, 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 so important in life and business and everything. Like saying no brings a yes. And I love that you're internally also doing like the hell no and hell yes uh, side of things because it's it, it needs to happen. Everyone, it's not scary to say no, just say no. Good. We're on the same page here. So, yeah. so it, I, I, I want to, as we like round the corner towards wrap up, I want to think about like tangible advice for entrepreneurs, because as you and I both know, again, like jumping into PR can be quite scary for people, especially if they're first time founders and they, they have never made an investment like this and they don't understand the space. So I'm just wondering like if there are indicators that people should look for when they're trying to d- decide if it's time to bring on an agency like Clover or like if there's anything that you would say like when you get to this point, you know, this is a great time to think about getting some help from a PR perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think be- bringing on, you know, a professional whether it's a contractor or an agency, you know, there's a few different things like A lot of people come to us and say, I know I can do this, but I literally don't have the bandwidth because they're starting to hone into their CEO role. And so I think when you are spending too much time on something that you could be making money in other places or being more productive, like that's a big trigger of like, maybe I need to bring someone in. Is it someone internally? Do I have the bandwidth to manage them? Does the team have the bandwidth? Is that the expense we need? Or should we just hire a professional for six months and like get a boost or whatever it might be? So I really think, you know, that time management piece is important. 
you know, are they looking to get funding? Are they looking to expand? Do they want to, are they brand that they want wholesalers? Again, like going back to what PR does, like if you're looking to hit certain milestones in your business, nine times out of 10, you're going to need to have PR or press placements to validate why this needs to happen or why, you know, it should happen for you. Like investors are going to want to know if you're not doing PR, like, do you plan to, how does it work? A lot of times we're looped into investor decks and they're coming to us and like, Hey, I'm going to get funding. I need PR as a part, as a part of it. I need a proposal from you so that I can wrap this into our deck. So that's another thing too, depending on where your business is going and your goals. Like, what are your goals? If you want to be like slow and steady and organic, like starting PR off the bat when you're launching a business may not make sense. But if you have like massive goals for your one year two, you probably need to start with PR. Cause again, back to that dating reference, if you're just staying in your your little pool, you're not going to grow in the way that you are if you put on that megaphone. And that's really what PR is, you know, with all the different facets. I mean, even Clubhouse is a PR outlet at this point. So, you know, really tackling and being strategic around, you know, what is the goal too? you know, when people come to me, I'm like, what do you want from PR? Like, what are you looking to do? Because it can't just be sales. If you're coming and you're like, I want to make 10,000 a month, it's like, okay, well, depending on your product and how that's working, that's not going to happen off the bat. Like there need to be other goals and milestones that you're looking to hit with PR. Otherwise you probably shouldn't do it. And I've told people no for that reason too. I'm like, we're not the right fit because you shouldn't be doing PR right now. You should be doing paid ads and, you know, other, other marketing aspects. You know, you don't even have your email marketing sequences turned on, get those done first before you come to us for PR. So those are just kind of a few things of why, and when you should do it. I obviously always think you should launch a brand or have PR within your brand. But you have to, you might want to see too organically, like how are you doing on your own? Some brands just skyrocket and take off and then organically they get inquiries too. So you don't always have to launch with it, but I do think it's a very powerful tool. Okay. So last, last PR centric question for you is this, it is such a relationship centric industry. And I think marketing in general is this way too, if you're doing your job right. What, you know, what advice, it's a two-parter, what advice would you give somebody when when vetting, you know, a PR agency to figure out if it's the right person for them? And then what would you say, you know, you've learned as, as a business leader to, to build great relationships? Like what, what has been key to that process for you? Yeah. So in vetting someone, I would definitely, so I would ask them for recent press hits, like what press have they gotten for their clients recently? So you can actually see their work. In every proposal we have, we have like our, you know, recent press hits that we've done that are relatable to the client. So they can see like, look, we were just in Glamour. We just had a client in Refinery29, whatever it might be. Also, I would ask for testimonials. Like our proposals include testimonials from our clients. We have some editor testimonials so that they can see both sides of things. But I would definitely, if you, if you don't already have like a referral from them or you understand like the way they do business... I would ask for that because it's not just like, can they get press? Like, how do they work? Ask their processes. Ask like, what's the client experience? We have, you know, things in our proposal that's like what you can expect from us, what we want to, what we expect from you. You know, like we set those, those expectations up front. So really dive into like the experience side of it. Cause you're going to be working with them. Like they're a staff member. You want to know that you are going to work well with them, that you're going to have good communication what is their communication style? How many times are you guys meeting? Are you getting updates weekly? Like identifying what you really need to feel comfortable. Cause I will say sometimes PR is like a mystery. It's like, what's going on, what's happening. Cause we're on the back end, you know, talking to editors every day, pitching, creating collateral, reaching out to influencers. And it's a lot of like legwork to get to the press hit. But as a client, you're kind of like, what's happening. Sometimes it's a little bit of crickets. And then all of a sudden 
you know, bam, and we connect with everyone every two weeks, but just understanding what you need so that you can ask those questions to under, to make sure you're getting that is really important from like the vetting process, I think. And then the second piece about building relationships, media, clients, networking, whatever it is, I've always realized it's not cookie cutter. Like it, they need to be genuine. You need to connect with that person. It not every client is going to need something different. You can have your general processes. You can have the way you approach things, but it's always going to be different. And at first I was like, ah, this is our process. This is what we do. And I'm like, this isn't working. This is just like a friendship. Everyone's different. Everyone has their ways about things. We need to manage, you know, per client and personal touches go a long way. You know, like just being a human, just being thoughtful, just, you know, if you can tell again, like I I'm, I read people really well. So if I can tell someone comes on a call and they're not right, I might ping them afterwards and be like, Hey, I just want to see if everything's okay. Or I might send them like a gift, or I may just like send them like a coffee via email or something like it just being conscious that everyone's literally a human is huge. And, you know, also sustaining relationships. If it isn't working, end it early, just like dating. I think that you can actually save a business relationship if you aren't afraid to end it if it's not working versus like just dragging it through the contract. And at the end, you're just like, wow, that blew up absolutely in my face. And it was a complete disaster because I knew early on this wasn't going to be a fit. And I tried to put a square in a circle. So those are kind of, you know, probably my biggest ones, you know, really hitting on the, we're all human. Let's just remember that. Cause people can, (laughs) I just shared this thing on social actually, that was about like being a customer service agent. It's like raising a toddler. Like you get yelled at for things you didn't do. You don't know what they want and you really can't help them at times. And I was dying laughing because just like, that's basically just sometimes how life is in business. Like people come on, they're pissed off. Something else happened in their businesses, nothing to do with you. And you're getting the brunt of it. And that's sometimes what being a vendor is. And then you have to navigate through that. So just remember, everyone's human. We're all trying to just do our thing and be thoughtful. Yeah, yeah. I love this last piece of advice because I think it is a good discerning factor too of, of you know, is a client right for you? You know, we've we've put a lot of effort into growing, you know, a, a client base that we feel like we can be human with. And it's a really, really great way to, to, to you know, discern is that a relationship you want to invest time and energy in? You know, would I want to have a cup of coffee with this person? Do I enjoy spending time with them? Are they a human I actually like? Those are all pieces that if you show up and you feel ha- like you have to put on some sort of facade to impress somebody, like it's probably not worth the energy it's going to take to keep that up to continue from a business perspective. Mm. Okay. So wrapping up our conversation today, I have, have, you know, a closing question and then some rapid fires I want to do with you. So my closing question, <laughs> and we were joking about this before we hit record, is what does it mean to be fearless to you? And can you share, you know, a recent moment of fearlessness from your life? Yes. Okay. So what does it mean to be fearless to me? I think it really means to, it's not about being reckless. It's about knowing yourself and knowing that life's too short and not sacrificing by playing it safe. I think living in a life of trust and intuition and honoring yourself is really being fearless. Like just knowing who you are and what you need just on like the individual level. And then like making decisions every moment in life based on that is being fearless. I used to think it was like, fearless is just like running around and not caring. And you're just like, woo, I'm free. And now I'm like, no, it is is so much bigger than that. And it's such a powerful, incredible word. So I just think that self-awareness piece and just truly living in your best alignment is being fearless. Because it takes a lot of bravery and strength and courage to constantly understand yourself and say no 
in and respect that. So that's what I feel about fearless. A moment I've been fearless. Oh my, and by the way, fun fact, I actually, for years, I mean, literally this has probably been like seven years in the making. I've been wanting to get impavito tattooed on my body somewhere, but I don't know where, so I haven't done it, but that means fearless in Italian. So when I saw this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so my question slash life. You know about this? This what? Might, uh, every, we're on camera right what? now. No! So I've, oh my got, I've got fearless. T- this, this is like a total soul sister to moment. I've got fearless, fearless tattooed on me. So Heather, we'll be, we'll be twinsies when you get that tattooed. Oh my gosh, I love it. I'm going to get in Pavito and there we are. That is yeah. so amazing. That's so cool. Oh my gosh, total like sister moment. Okay, being fearless. I mean, my goodness, I was actually going to say prior like, having children and working a job and having my husband travel, I feel pretty fearless because I feel like I can conquer anything at this point. But then this morning there was a tarantula in my spa. And <laughs> then I realized, I don't think I'm fearless. Cause I ran over to my neighbor and I got him and he got the tarantula <laughs> out. So I w- that could have been my moment saving a tarantula <laughs> and no, but yeah, I hard freaking pass. But now I, my true, like, it was funny. I was like, when have I been fearless? But gosh, running a business and starting this business was probably one of my biggest fearless moments because I was just like, here we go. Like my life could go up in flames. I'm terrified, but I'm excited and I'm going to go for it. And it's been amazing. I love that. I love that. Okay. I've got a few rapid fires for you. First one is one business book you recommend that everyone read. You're a Badass by Jen Sincero. I love that one. That one is super high on my list. Okay. Next one is self-care practice or item that you cannot live without. Channeled Reiki and meditation. It's Mm. literally changed my life. I feel like like a million times better when I do it. So that would be it. I love it. Okay. One tech tool that makes your life easier. This could be personal or it could be in the business. This is so funny because I'm so not a tech person. I have like a battle with it all the time. But if I had to say something, I think it would be scheduling emails through Google and Slack might be my fave, like notifications through Slack, because I catch up on things during the wee hours and I don't ever want my team to feel like, oh my gosh, she's messaging at 8 p.m. I have to respond. So I just set timers and, you know, I look like I'm up at 5 a.m. Um, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, but it's just like that has actually saved me because I can do work when I, when I want to, when it fits best for my schedule. Yeah. I love that functionality. What about your Enneagram number? Are you an Enneagram nerd at all? Do you know your number? So I do, but it's funny. I'm definitely not. This is one of the things like I'm into astrology. I've done human design stuff, but I haven't dug into this as much and I want to. So it was cool that you asked this. So I was first told to take it as like thinking as my twenties and I came Mm -hmm. out as a three, but then recently I took it just as like who I am and I'm a six. So I mean, I could tell you like I'm a manifesting generator with a 5-2 Virgo sun, rising Gemini, moon Taurus, but I don't know what a three or a six means. So maybe we can sidebar and you can help me out because I'm very Yeah, I, I will send you some stuff. I'll send yeah. you some things our team did on it. You'll like it. Awesome. I can't wait. Okay. And last question is, what is the last thing you did to have fun? So I swim in my pool with my kids and my husband. I have been really, really feeling lately like, oh my gosh, I need to be by water. So when we got a house that had a pool, it was magical. And honestly, just being out there with them and enjoying summer, that has been so much fun. I also took a girl's trip to Napa where I grew up to wine taste. And 
you know, a little, little bit of family time that's fun and amazing, but I also need that me time too to recharge. But those are probably the last two things that were just awesome. Simple, fun, easy, and quality time is like always what's the best fun to me. I love it. It's making me want to go back to Napa. I was there in December and it's yeah. it's one of my favorite places to be. So love let's that. rendezvous. <laughs> we shall. We shall. Well, I just want to tell you, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being so brave and sharing your story and 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 really just for walking a path. I mean, it, it until you know we met Heather, it was hard to look out into the agency landscape and feel like there were other people doing it the way that I believe it should be done. And so I'm just really honored to know you and have you in our network and to get this out in front of everyone who's in our audience so they can get to know you better too. Oh, that like made me a little teary. Thank you so much. I know I feel so aligned with you and I just love being on here. love being connected with you. And if anyone else wants to connect at Clover PR is where you can find me or at soulspace.co. And this was, this was so fun. Thank you for letting me share my story here with you. I loved it. And it really made me think about a lot of different things. So this was, this is exciting and fun for me too. I'm walking away from this conversation feeling more connected to my why than ever before. And part of it is because I got to sit down with Heather and see a reflection of myself and realize I'm not the only one who is thinking about these kind of things, whether it comes from this, you know, putting a pause and uprooting kind of this, this oppressive hustle culture mentality that so many of us women entrepreneurs have have taken on or just recognizing that like what we're doing is not rocket science or it's not curing cancer. And and we have the ability to take a human centric approach to the way we build relationships and the ways we build our companies. I love how honest and real Heather was about sharing about her journey from a mindfulness perspective and the fact that, you know, she has built a multi-million dollar business with this at its core. And it all comes from a place of just being really intentional of the types of clients she wants to serve. And I love the ways in which she was fearless about sharing with us, you know, mistakes she made early on and 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 the the messier side of the journey rather than just the prettiest polished picture, but rather something that's like really human and really real for all of us to feel seen and reflected in our own experiences. I want to encourage you, if you want to hear more from Heather, check out our show notes. We're going to put all of her podcast information there along with the best ways to get in touch with her. And I hope that you also pass this podcast on to someone else you know. I'm sure there is someone in your network right now who is maybe early on in those stages and and maybe building from a place of, of, of that girl boss hustle culture mentality. And you want to disrupt that. Let's change that mentality. So put this podcast in the hands of someone you know, or do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. I also want to just give you a heads up. We've got so many amazing conversations in store in the coming months. We've got creators. We've got intellectual property people. We've got investment agencies. We've got Oh my gosh, everybody you could think of coming on this podcast in the coming months. And as mentioned before, we're gearing up for season three as well. So if there is a female founder that you want to share the story of, please get in touch with me and the team. Reach out to us at hello at fearlessfoundry.com or hit us up on social at fearlessfoundry. And we will look into adding that person to our lineup into the year to come. So with that said, I just want to wish you all a fantastic fall. I hope Everything is beautiful where you are. And I can't wait to be back here with you next week. Until then, you have been with me listening to the Finding Fearless podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll see you back here next week.